Hi, welcome to another episode of ServiceNow Tech Bytes, the podcast that helps you use the product better and more efficiently. I'm your host, Suzanne Smith, and today we are very pleased to have Ankit Ketterpal with us. Hi, Ankit. Hey, Susan. Ankit has been with ServiceNow for about three years, and he is a staff performance engineer in our customer support department. Ankit, can you tell us what that job entails as your daily responsibilities and also maybe a little bit about what you do when you're not here at work? So, well, I work out of the Silicon Valley office of ServiceNow in Santa Clara, and primarily what my job is solving customer issues in terms of performance. So it's it's more of a customer success profile, if you will. So what we do is we onboard new customers. We work with support account managers, solution consultants, and kind of ensure that their go live goes smoothly, right? Um, but to kind of sum it up in a nutshell, what we do is we help ServiceNow customers achieve maximum out of an instance in terms of performance. Excellent. And what do you do when you're not here at ServiceNow? Oh, I'm a big movie buff, so I like watching movies a lot. Um, some of my favorite movies are Shawshank Redemption, uh, Lucky Numbers 11, The Departed. I mean, apart from that, um, trying different cuisines, um, meeting people from different cultures because, you know, the Silicon Valley is such a melting pot. And then, you know, it's kind of fun meeting people from different walks of life. So it's, it's pretty fun. You sound very busy. I am. So it's not keeps me busy. So today we're going to be talking about instance performance. And can you tell us why ServiceNow instance performance and optimal performance is important? Well, just like in every other aspect of life, you need things to be fast. Well, like your phone charging, you want it to be fast. You want your food delivery to be fast. You want fast cars. You want your ServiceNow instance to be fast as well, right? I mean, look, it's not a great experience if you're loading forms or you're doing your daily tasks and it's taking forever to load the forms. So I think performance, therefore, is it's pretty important. And ServiceNow is a pretty powerful platform. So we need to kind of address the performance aspects of it and kind of make it better for everybody. So can you tell us some best practices related to performance? I know that's a big question for a big topic area, but can you give us some of your favorite, most effective best practices? Um, well, I'm a big proponent of using the stats.do as far as troubleshooting is concerned. Um, the reason for that is because you've got a lot of information on the stats.do that tells you about the application instance health or the application server node itself. Now, the way the ServiceNow platform actually works is that if you make a request, you know, it, it gets routed to the load balancer. And based on the algorithm that it runs, it directs the request to a particular application server node. And that node talks to the database and then returns the result. Um, so let's take an example. You and I are going to the ServiceNow instance and we are doing the same transaction, right? We are going to our home.dos. So what's gonna happen is you're gonna do this transaction. The load balancer is gonna route you to a node. It can route you to node one. It can route me to node two. And we're doing the same things and it's going to give the same response. So the reason I bring this up is because if users actually complain to ServiceNow admins about, you know what, my instance has been really slow today. What the admins can do is they can navigate to the stats.do to check and verify if everything is fine. And if they see that, you know what, stats.do has been working perfectly, there's nothing wrong with it, then that could mean that there is something else that's going on. Probably it's the network layer or it's the browser layer. And then they can check the diagnostics page, see if the nodes are up and running. And then, you know, if the nodes are down, obviously you've got to reach out to support and kind of get the troubleshooters, troubleshooting started. So um, I think that's why I believe that stats.do is the place you begin with. So can you tell us in a little more detail, what is it within that stats 
page that customers should look for? So this has to do with the life cycle of a transaction that happens, actually. Um, let's go back to the same example, right? Going Doing a home.do transaction. So you've got the load balancer, it routes you to a node. And what that essentially does is that you've got this semaphore set called as the available semaphores. That's got 16 semaphores available and the queue of being 150. So you do a transaction, it comes in within the queue, it waits for an available semaphore, it picks up a semaphore, it processes it, and then returns the result and free, frees up the semaphore. So that's what the available semaphore, and that's the gateway, that's the entry point to a ServiceNow instance. And that's how we in ServiceNow use the semaphore concept of semaphores. It's, it's the key, it's the gateway to your transactions. And um, you've got the queue depth of 150, right? And that's pretty important because you have so many transactions coming in and it needs a queue to kind of pile these things up. So that is something that we kind of, you know, leverage a lot. And that's why, again, like I said, you've got to use the stats.do to kind of troubleshoot these things. Uh, what are some other semaphore sets that are that are also available to customers? You've got a different uh, set of pools for semaphores. You've got the uh, AMB pool. You've got the user presence pool. You've got the debug pool. You've got the SOAP and REST pool. But now that has been in our new releases, what, what we've done is that it's been clogged or it's been clubbed to one single pool called as the API INT pool. And what I actually forgot to mention before was that the default semaphores just serves the user transactions. So stuff that you're clicking on, you know, home.do, it's user transactions, but any web service call would go to the API INT semaphore. So how do schedule workers differ from semaphores? Well, schedule workers are actually background jobs. Um, so like I said, any user transaction gets uh, directed towards a default semaphore. Uh, similarly, any web service gets directed towards the REST API semaphore set. You've got scheduled workers and you've got eight of them per node. And all of these are supposed to kind of run background jobs. So it's got the same queue depth, if you will. It's got 150, but it's something that does in the background. So all the jobs will be picked up by the scheduled workers and all user transaction or any transactions will be picked up by the semaphore sets. Thank you for making that distinction. Uh, what are what are you looking for in the default semaphores? Well, I'm glad you asked that because, again, coming back to the stats page, the reason why we want uh, admins to kind of check the stats page is because we want them to check the queue depth. Um, when is when is that a problem, right? When is queue depth a problem? So going back again, I keep going back to the same example because that's that's how a life cycle, a life cycle of a transaction actually goes about. So you've got a user that suppose comes in. And then he picks up a default semaphore. And um, once it's done, it's supposed to free that up. But there are cases where it th that does not happen. You've got a long running transaction that's held onto a semaphore and you've got transactions coming in and they're piling up in the queue depth. And then you've got no more semaphores available. And that's when you start seeing problems come about. So as a ServiceNow admin, you can actually check these and then kind of, you know, make a deduction as to, you know what, this is what's going on. And this is something that I need to kind of address or troubleshoot in a way. So if you see the queue depth as high as the max queue depth, you know there's an issue where either there are too many concurrent transactions coming in at the same time, or the usual amount is coming in, but the transactions itself are pretty long and it's not able to kind of complete fast enough. Can you tell us some small actions that an admin can take for some quick performance wins on their instance? This one's kind of near and dear to me in a way. Because um, uh, as a TSC, we, we deal with this a lot. and 
everybody has their own user preferences, right? Um, for example, the row count. Um, certain users like having the row count to be 1,000 per page. Some don't want to go through so many rows and just like it to be like 20 or 50. We've seen that whenever you keep the row count to about 20 to 50, you see better performing results. I mean, they, it depends on the instance and the usage that you have and the amount of users that you have. Um, based on that, you can actually specify the row count. But, you know, as my personal preference for a better performing system, I usually like to keep it between 20 to 50. So that kind of makes things faster. And uh, if the users are interested in kind of modifying this, all they have to do is go to the user preference table and there's a filter called as name and you can put in row count there and then you can put the value as the number of rows that you have. And then you can actually see how many users have what row count set for them. Any other actions? One of the other things that I always um, tell the users is using filters. Again, this comes down to the fact that, you know, you've got databases and every transaction has to run on the server and has to do a database query. If you read, if you use the right kind of filters and if you use the right index on a particular query, it's going to make things much, much faster. So using filters such as active or syscreated on is something that I tell my um, users to use quite a lot. Um, apart from that, I believe keeping the session timeout to as low as possible. Um, by default, it's supposed to be 30 minutes, but I've seen users put put in about 1,000 or so. And what that usually does is that, you know, you've got this session that's lying out there taking up memory. And, you know, it's, it's, a, waste of a, it's a waste of resources in a way because we've got two gigs worth of memory on a particular node. And so, you know, having the session, uh, the session default to kind of make it to 60 or 120, if that's something that can be done by them, is something that I recommend. And uh, if they do want to go ahead and change this, all they got to do is navigate to the Sys properties table and then go to client.ui.sessiontimeout and then change the value there. And, you know, all of these things that I'm saying should always be tested on a subproduction system. You know, all your tests should be done on a subproduction system before you go ahead and apply it on production. Do you have any tips about home pages and refreshing home pages for better performance? Right. Um, home pages is another one because, um, you know, you've got so many users having these widgets, customized widgets on them. And, um, well, you know, you can do a lot on these widgets and they can be really resource intensive. And um, what I usually say is then when you've got these home pages and they're refreshing for every five minutes, that's got to put a lot of strain on the database. So avoiding that or probably turning it off or increasing the time interval between the refreshes, right? So instead of having it set for five minutes, let's keep it for 60 minutes. But those users who are not using it too often should kind of deactivate it or, you know, just set it to a high interval. Um, so that's something that can be done as far as home pages refresh is concerned. Do you have any tips about business rules and how to optimize business rules for better performance? Well, as ServiceNow developers, I believe you should follow the best practices out there. And there's a lot of information about that in the product documentation here. And I think just avoiding recursive loops, you know, because infinite loops is something that we see quite a lot. So, you know, just avoiding that is something that can help you a lot as far as performance is concerned. Because, you know, if you've got a loop within your business rule, and if it's an infinite loop that goes on, that's going to take a lot of memory and eventually you're going to run out of memory. 
And that is something, again, can be seen on the stats page, right? You've actually got a module or a page on the stats page that kind of tells you about the servlet memory. And if you see that the in-use memory is pretty much about 1.9 gigs and further above, there are memory problems. So that's why I keep going back to the stats page that, hey, stats page is where you see everything. If you see there's memory contention, so it's not supposed to be called immediately. I know that in the ServiceNow community, you wrote a blog post about excessive logging. Can you tell us a little bit about that particular issue related to performance? So as far as the logging is concerned, everything is done via two tables, right? All the logs, all the error logs come into the syslog tables and the syslog transaction tables. And these tables are put on table rotation, so they do get cleaned up. But what happens sometimes is, you know, it goes back to the best practices for business rules. Avoid using too many GS.log statements because if it's in a loop or if that's being called every every minute or so, it's going to put a lot of inserts within the transaction tables. And that's just, you know, waste of resources, waste of disk space. And that's something we want to avoid. On our end, we are making sure that, you know, as far as the platform is concerned, we can take care of these things so that we don't bother our service now developers. But something just to keep in mind that, hey, because, you know, you have these debugger statements for logging purposes that you can turn on, which kind of gives you high CPU spike. So kind of avoid that, avoid the, a lot of GS.log statements. And, and that's going to help you a lot as far as the optimal performance is concerned. So Ankit, do you have any specific ideas for customers about how they can avoid P1 issues that are performance related? Well, P1s are usually caused because of resource contentions. Well, generally, right? Um, you've got three layers within the ServiceNow instance. You've got the browser layer, you've got the application layer, and you've got the database. Now, what I would recommend is if you've got these discovery jobs that are running and they run pretty often, I would stagger them and make them run off peak hours. The reason for that is, like I said, they're pretty resource intensive. They can spike up the CPU and uh, they can take up a lot of memory if not written correctly. And if this is done during the, the normal daily usage times, it can cause outages. So what I usually recommend is avoid that during peak hours and schedule it for weekends or probably off business hours and stagger these jobs. Um, so that's one of the things that can be done. Apart from that, there's stuff on our end that we take care of. I want to remind our listeners that ServiceNow is pretty awesome as far as alert monitoring is concerned. So if a customer encounters a problem, how would they go about troubleshooting it? You know, do we have some nifty features they can use to to get around problems and, and work some out themselves? We do. We've got the debugger. And uh, that encompasses the SQL debugger, the homepage rendering, the ACLs. And the reason for that is kind of isolating where the problem is, right? Uh, you want to see if the slowness lies on the SQL layer on the database or if it's the ACLs that are causing the slowness. It could be a business rule. So we've got a lot of debugging tools uh, handy in the ServiceNow instance. And if you want to go a step further, you can actually go into the download log files and um, you can actually get the whole local host files and then exactly tail the sessions and then see exactly what the customer has been doing, what his user transaction has been, what are the parameters that have gone in. So a lot can be done using these tools. So I would recommend using the debugger quite often and downloading the local host files and doing your triaging on it. Another debugging feature that, you know, um, is kind of underutilized is the browser tools. So 
you can use it. So in Chrome, you've got the developer tools and that essentially kind of helps you debug browser issues. So stuff that's not on the service now end, but something on the browser that could be causing issues. So I recommend using the developer tools on Chrome. Chrome is one of the preferred browsers, not that we can't use any other browser, but it's one of the lightweight JavaScript browsers that we've got. And um, using developer tools has been very helpful for us as well. So one of our favorite parts of the podcast is to discuss an underdog feature, a feature that's in the product, but that customers may not know about. Do you have a favorite performance related underdog feature to share with us? I do, actually. It's the related list loading. And what that essentially does is that whenever you navigate to a form, you've got related lists on that form itself. And that could be a separate transaction if you want. Uh, most times what users do is that they set this to with the form loading. So you know, you are opening up an incident form and everything that's related to it would be part of the same transaction, which can slow things up. And it's not even information that you're looking at, right? You, you know, users can go ahead and customize a lot of things and get this huge amount of data without having any active filters on it. So what I do usually recommend it is that if you're not using this information, why don't you set it to on demand? So the information is still out there, but you just have to click on it. So that's one of the features that I, I usually recommend uh, users using is the on-demand related list loading form. Apart from that, I think the other one would be the slow queries and the explain plan. Uh, it's pretty underutilized that we use quite a lot. And um, you've got a slow query module that actually lists all the slow queries out there. And you can actually run the explain plan for that. And based on that, you can, you know, see the indexes that can be applied. And post-Fuji, you can create your own indexes as well. And we've got a lot of product documentation about this. And using this, I, I assure you, is going to help your instance and your performance quite a lot. So the slow query module will identify the queries that are behaving slowly. And then the explain will tell you more details about them. That's absolutely correct. So the slow query modules is going to have every slow query that has been logged within the instance since the beginning of time for that instance. And um, you can actually do a lot of sorting on that. And based on that, you know, you can pull up user transactions, slow queries as well. And if you want more details about that, like the structure of the query, you run the explain plan, which gives you the details of the query. And based on that information, you can actually apply the right index. You can make a judgment call. You can test this on your subproduction and then apply the index to make the query execution faster. So we just released the Istanbul version of ServiceNow. And I understand there is a really great new feature in Istanbul uh, that will help people to improve the performance on their instance. Can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, absolutely. This one's pretty awesome. Um, like I said, you know, you've got the load balancer that kind of puts you on a specific node. Now we have this cool ability to see every transaction running on every node on one node itself. So, you know, we get a lot of users calling in and saying, you know what, I have, I ran a miserable script. Can you kill my transaction? And we have the ability to hop onto individual nodes and kill these transactions. Not anymore. In Istanbul, users can actually log in themselves and see every transaction that's been running on the instance and kill them by themselves. They don't need us anymore. So it's a pretty neat feature, to be honest. This has all been fantastic information, Ankit. Thank you for being here with us today. Well, thank you for having me here. And uh, we might have to bring you back again for some more performance-related issues in the future. Anytime. Uh, as always, if you want more information about ServiceNow and about performance issues, please check our ServiceNow product documentation. Check the Knowledge Base articles in high. Visit our YouTube channel. And... 
stop in at the ServiceNow community and post a question and interact with ServiceNow employees and other customers within that community and ask any performance-related questions. Thank you. This has been another episode of ServiceNow Tech Bytes. Bites.